Well, good morning. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord, being able to worship with the saints. The songs that we have sang, talking about great grace, great God, and great mercy. Isn't it wonderful that your heart is tied in with Him? Your, your soul, your blood, your, everything about you is pumping, desiring to hear from our God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it a vast difference between religion and true saving faith? And that's what he's going to be pulling out for us today. As we prepare ourselves to go to Luke chapter 14, we're going to begin in verse 15. And the message today is, I want to change it as I look at it. I have right now the a invitation of grace, but I want to change it right now and say a gracious invitation. And I think that fits better, doesn't it? Because I, I tell you, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this because it, the Lord is just, man, it's just wonderful knowing that you belong to the Lord and His grace is bestowed upon you, not by anything that we were able to do, but everything that He did for us. And therefore, we, we have these things that lay out before us. And so, if you would, take out your Bible. If you haven't turned there already, please turn to Luke 14 as we look at this gracious invitation. And we'll begin reading uh, Luke 14, verse 15. Stand with me to read in God's Word, please. Beginning in verse 15, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man was given a big dinner, and he invited many. And at that dinner hour was sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all began to make an excuse. First one said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. The other one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to the master, then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and there's still his room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. You may be seated. Thank you. As we look upon this, uh, one of the reasons that we, I ended up here is, uh, because the, the main verse of Word of Grace ministry, is going, it, it is Luke 14, verse 23. And it's going out, what the Lord has uh, called us to do in every part. And I want to give a little background of what's taking place here, and then we'll get to our scripture. Jesus has been invited to a luncheon with the idea of the Pharisees going to set him up. And he, they're going to set him up to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath day. And as they brought this man in that had dropsy, which is a, a fluid uh, problem, water, they can't get rid of water. It's interesting. I want you to hang on to that as we go through. And as they brought him in, they were watching him closely. And they just dropped this man kind of in front of him to see what he was going to do. 
And Jesus was going to do what was right. Not by the legalistic view of the ones that wanted to see him trip up so they can accuse him of being wrong. And, they're only, and only in their eyes were they wrong. This is also a chapter of teaching us how to be humble before God. God is not a respecter of persons, amen? God is not a respecter of persons, amen? Because none of us des- deserve grace. None of us. No matter one, in- one end of the society that you're in or on, none of us deserve grace. So this person here, if you see what happened, Jesus asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? If they kept silent... Then he took hold of this man that had dropsies, healed him, and immediately sent him away because what he had done had been completed already. He didn't need the Pharisees to back him up. But Jesus goes on and says, if your ox is in the ditch or your son falls into a well, I'm paraphrasing this, do you not immediately pull them out? And they had room in their law to do that if someone was on the edge of dying But Jesus is uh, addressing them in the haughtiness that they deserve grace. They didn't even know what grace is. They're trying to work it. And because they were of the Jewish family, they were doing all the right things. They believed that they uh, was going to the right churches. All these things that they added up, they deserve to go on to glory. He addresses that. When he asked that question, they replied, not, nothing. They didn't have anything to say. They had no rebuttal. So he goes on and see, he starts seeing this stirring around of people trying to get to the front of the line to set by the chiefest of the priest or the uh, Pharisees, and, and they're all trying to uh, gain their honor by setting by the one they find important. And as they're scurrying around to do that, Jesus says this, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he goes on and says, looking at this, and backing up just a little bit, he says, you come in at the one end, and if the Lord see fit, he'll move you up. But when you come in, thinking that you deserve to sit in the front row, or deserve to sit by the chief Pharisee, or this, you deserve something in this picking, and and that's what he said, this is wrong, because then you're going to get called up and say, hey, you're too far up, I need you to set back, and then (laughs) that humility uh, will come at that time, so this is something that's in our life as well, sometimes we lay out for ourselves who deserves grace and who doesn't, sometimes we do that, not necessarily on purpose, but with purpose. So when we think about the people that we talk to and people that we don't want to talk to, we go into this this parable. Jesus, I need to read this last part right here, beginning at verse 12. It says, when you have a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or the rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return. And that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid in the resurrection. Now stop right there for just a minute. In this parable that we're getting ready to go into, he is addressing that, what we just read, that if I invite you over to my house, you'll be able to be invited over to my, uh, I'll be able to be invited over to your house. So it's a payback. And on that process, they move up the ladder of their uh, social status, uh, being the upper class invites the upper class. And Jesus says not to do that. Now, it's interesting that we're in this text and we've got Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving to do before Thanksgiving, right? And Thanksgiving we have here. And, and the question is, is, does this apply to us? And we can't say no. It is written. 
question. He says to invite people that can't pay you back. Invite people that have no means, no way to be able to pay you back. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we put ourselves on the pedestal. Sometimes we blow that all to pieces. Because I want to invite people I know. I want to hang around people I know. And Jesus says, in this process of learning how to be humble, you need to die to yourself. We see that over in 26. It gets right down to it, verse 26. Uh, and, and we read these texts. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this out on this point is that the Pharisees and all the lawyers and everything else that was in the company of this luncheon, right, they were playing the game. They had many words. They had the uh, Old Testament, uh, Book of Moses and, and the prophets. Look, they uh, unpacked that, worked in that all the time. But you'll see as we continue to go through that they missed it. He tells us in that last verse that I read in 24. But then he goes on to see us. We owe Christ everything. Amen? You have been forgiven much. And yet he still forgives you. And he still puts up with you. And he still forgives you. May we never lose sight of this. Who are we not to forgive someone else and to put it away? We have no right. Because as soon as we do that, we're saying they don't deserve grace. It doesn't mean you don't talk about it, work it out. We have that in our fencing of the table. But it does say this about your motive. Who do you talk to? And it gets hard sometimes. But in this first part, we want to look at how Jesus turns this into a parable. And we see the very man jump right in this when Jesus made that last statement. You'll be repaid in the resurrection of the righteous. Who are the resurrection of the righteous? Those that have been received by the grace of God in his family. Amen? That's, that's the resurrection of the righteous right there. And if you're a lover of Jesus Christ, you're in that picture. You're not sinless, but you should be sinning less. And our dedication is unto him and him alone. As we go on, we see that they can't pay back and we can't pay God back either, can we? Why do we act like we can? Now, we have a life where grace works and Grace without works is dead, and, he, and the grace has an effect on our life because he's given us what we didn't deserve. He's given us this uh, gracious invitation to come unto him, and we will be paid back in the resurrection. That's wonderful. So you see this person here beginning at uh, the gracious invitation. We have an invitation offered. I'll give you some of uh, my points here. Invitation offered. The invitation opposed. The invitation opened. Under that are three, three categories. I don't want to confuse you, but I want you to hang on to this as we go through. It is grace pretenders that goes with the invitation offered. The invitation opposed has grace rejectors. And then the invitation open has the grace receivers. And then I want you to pay special attention to the slave. He is a grace receiver. He's also a grace extender. Do you see that? that that's, that's wonderful stuff. So you see this man here beginning uh, uh, verse 15 through 17. This man here says, uh, after he heard this, says, Blessed is everyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. In other words, blessed is everyone who will do the will of God, thinking that he is right with God, right? Because he's been in the right families, hanging around the right people, right? And the bloodline and the whole nine yards of all of that. He's very smart, but very lost. Then he starts off with the parable. 
you think about this parable, he addresses the, the invitation. They had the first invitation, the Jews did, to, to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Jew first and the Gentiles. We are at the end of this. We are talking about the upper class at this very present moment. And in verse 16, he says this, he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And the dinner, and at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. Now, to understand this part right here, I want us also to keep in mind who's who in this parable. I want to give it to you first. I don't want you to guess as we're going through, right? We see the, 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 man, the, main, the man right here, the master of some of our uh, uh, books, uh, Bibles that we have here, uh, is God, uh, God the Father, God the Son. You see that in the last verse that we grab a hold of, right? And we see those uh, people of the upper class of the Pharisees, the leaders of the Pharisees, which he's speaking to right now. Uh, and then we see the middle class, which is the poor, the cripple. And we also see uh, in the highways, we see the lower class as they would see it. This is not how Christians see it, but as these very pharisaical people would see the realm of people, how they look to people. We should not look to people like that at all. We don't want to see what class they're in. Amen? Because we're all on the same level when it comes to the throne of God. It's level at the cross. So that being said, we move on. And he says, this dinner, and there's, there's two invites to a dinner. We, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't call you up and say, hey, a week from now we're going to have dinner. Or tomorrow, won't you come over? They didn't have that. So the first invitation came out. We see that in the Old Testament. first invitation came out to the, to the Jews, to the Pharisees, Sadducees, all those that had the written word of God. The first invitation was given out to them. And now the second invitation is here. What is the second invitation? It's the offering of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. All right? Listen to this. Be thankful for grace. We sang of it much today. But man, wonderful grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. And so the first part, you can say that they had the first invitation. They may have got caught up in something. And they shook the preacher's hand. They got baptized. They're in. They got the right studies, right? They got a bunch of head knowledge, but yet do not have God. Why? Because, well, we, he's already addressed that in the first part that we went through. They're all about them. They're all about inviting people on their status, wherever they're at. And Jesus says, that's not how it is. We go for, the grace is given to those from one end to the other. Aren't you glad of that? Are you, are you tired of hearing about grace? You should never get tired of hearing about grace. God's unmerited favor upon us. God's riches at Christ's expense. May we, may, may we never get tired of hearing about this grace, this singing grace. So the second invitation comes, and what happens? What happens with, when they come to this invitation that's offered to them? They believe themselves already to receive the first invitation therein. Now the second invitation comes around, and now the, the, the master of the house invited many. And so at that time, you pretty much were saying that you're coming to dinner. And so he would, they would go back and prepare for the dinner. And as they prepare for this dinner, they get close to the time, okay, everything is ready. We have 3,000 people, don't put a number here, but 3,000 people for our numbering, right? And they prepare for a meal for 3,000 people. Now, when it comes time for them to actually come, in other words, live a life to this God, they started coming up with excuses, Excuses. You know why you're here today? Because you want to be. That's the driving force of your life. Our life tells on us. On what we do and how we act. 
through the day, not only just today, because you've got to be careful today, you walk out the doors and nothing's changed, you're in the first part of this parable. But if you're growing off of this and you continue to grow throughout the week, man, you're a lover of Christ and want more of him. You're never satisfied yet satisfied, but you're never satisfied. Why? Because you can't get satisfied with the glories of God upon our lives and the grace bestowed upon us. That doesn't grow old and it doesn't get put on the shelf. It continues to grow in us. We, 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 we uh, bleed and, and pump. Biblon, we, we study the scripture. Why? Because God gives us great pearls like this. But how many of us, we know this, these people here because all of us could do it. Well, I tell you, I'm going to do one thing and then not do it. That shouldn't be of Christians anyway. When I was raised up, your word is still for something. If it said, you said you were going to do it, you didn't have to do anything else. It was like a handshake. It was done. You didn't have to go do anything else because you knew that was going to happen. Today, our society's gone way south of that. But look at what they're saying. They're saying, we, the dinner is now ready, meaning Christ is ready. Christ is standing before you. Christ is uh, extending the, these gracious invitation unto us, right, that we may receive this invitation and rejoice in it. But what happens to religious people it is, is that they just don't think much of grace when their life marked out as selfishness as this is over here, fighting about the seating, who you need to sit by, worried about the legalist in the part that you're not a lover unless you do it this way. But we're driven by the, the love of God to shed a broader in the heart. And man, that's our driving force. But the religious folks say this. They began to make excuses. They begin to make excuses. We see now we go into this. We look at verse 18. And now we look to the invitation offered to them. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going out to try them. Please consider me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and for that reason I cannot come. I think about this now, and it would be an appropriate time to ask this very question, but you already know the question I'm going to ask you. What kind of excuses do you give to God? These are all lame excuses. Lame you can't put the, the, the stuff that, like, going to see. Listen to this verse, excuse. It's, it's, just, a, it's just the gift of uh, purchasing, the purchasing excuse. You look at this. Uh, he bought a piece of land. And he has to go look at it. Verses coming to the table that he already said he was coming. And in, 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 the, uh, uh, in the Arab world, that was war when you didn't come after you already said you came. You were coming, excuse me. That, you were coming. That, was, that was acts of war that they took that very highly. And we used to, not in the sense of after war, but think about this right here. He bought a piece of land and didn't look at it first? That makes no sense. That's how lame excuses are. That's how weak they are. Christ stepped off the throne of God, took on flesh, was nailed to the cross, was buried and resurrected and ascended on high, and we come up with excuses like this. I got a piece of land, I need to go look at it. And that's just really being captivated by material things. I need to go look at it. Number one, remember that the dinner, the dinner was at night. Okay, so this really puts some extra lameness, <laughs> that's the word, on this view right here. They're gonna go look at land at night. It doesn't. They're not going to be able to see the land. And besides that, is the land going somewhere by the next day? Think about your excuses that you have given through your life. 
And may they be less and less every day of our lives. Why did you not come to church today? Well, because you didn't want to. We know that. But what was the real reason why you didn't come? God knows the answer to that. But you coming to church is not going to prove your salvation. It's going to encourage and strengthen your salvation. That's why it's so important not to forsake. But it could be held in a legalistic thing. I don't, I've been to, coming to a Baptist church for 30 years. That don't make you right with God. There's many people in church at this very hour. Matter of fact, this is the biggest idolatrous day of the week when people come in and hear the Word of God and not be changed by it, walk right out, consider themselves right with God, and go chase the world the rest of the week. No, this is not, this is, this is not the invitation that we've received and has been given and, and, and been used upon us and changed us. And another one, after the second one, another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Excused. Now think about that for just a minute. I got a brand new car. I got to go drive that baby. I'll check you out later. When it comes to God, we're all going to die, and we're going to stand before this God. What kind of excuse are we going to give then? Lord, I'd rather uh, watch TV than listen to something godly. Lord, I'd rather do this. I mean, it gets crazy right here, but before we just point at everybody else, we really got to dig down into ourselves and see what my excuses are of why I don't do things, because that's what excuses are most of the time, the reason why we don't do things. When we think about this, he, 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 he's five yoke of oxen. Yoke meaning there's, there's ten oxen here, and he, this man is very rich. And so, but he has to go work that day. Now, we have people to work on Sunday, and I'm not giving them a hard time on that. You stand before God and have to work with this yourself. And we have all kinds of people to work today, uh, and it's not necessarily sinful, Right? But when he's talking about these people in this context, the upper class, as they uh, look upon this and they are re uh, rejecting the grace of God at this time, right? He's got, he's got five yoke of oxen. And he's a very rich man, and he's got to go try that out. Is somebody going to steal him tomorrow, or are they going to wander off tomorrow? Are they gonna, is he going to go work him at dark? He's not going to work him at night. The excuses are lame. The one that even comes close, but still lame, is when it comes to people. And this one, uh, the, the excuse of the people is this right here. Another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason I cannot come. Now, in Deuteronomy 24, you were excused from all military requirements for a year after a wife. Not here. You wasn't excused from this when you already said that you were coming. The excuses are, are, are lame, but they're real. And I tell you, when we think about these things and, and see, oh my, have I used this excuse? Hey, they ha think about this for a minute. The attraction of property, the occupation of business, the social ties, whether home or abroad, listen to this. They have someone, uh, something better to see someone better to see, something better to enjoy than the invitation that was given with Christ. Have you, do you have all of Christ that you need right now or that you want? We have that, that story that, uh, in the Behold Your God series. You can have all of God that you want, and as a matter of fact, right now you do. Every time I say that, it's conviction upon me. I'm not looking at everybody else. It starts with me. And when I look at that, I think to myself, oh my, I got more room for the Lord. Catch that? I got more room for the Lord. And a slave unto Christ is his desire. And as God continues to show us uh, the lame excuses that we bring up to him, and these just ridiculous excuses right here, the rejection of grace, 
right? You may be in a Baptist church, whatever name you want to put there, all your entire life right here, and I mess with people that are pretty hateful. They've been in church all their life. Nasty mouth and everything else. But the nasty mouth is not the problem, the heart is. Their actions, what they're about. It's all about you, you, you. No, as a Christian, as a true believer, as a receiver of this gracious invitation, man, it's all about him now. Look at the slave in this picture. I love the slave in this picture. Do loss, I'll talk curios. What is that? A slave unto the Lord. And if you're a lover of Jesus Christ, you are a slave unto the Lord. You are a slave unto righteousness. Why? Because your life is marked out by the power of God uh, uh, and all that he is. We have an invitation given today. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Think about that invitation. Or maybe you're saying, like this first part, I do know the Lord, but I have nothing to do with him. That was my flag. We, me and Karen was secret service. I normally don't speak like that here, but I'm going to use it here. We were secret service for a long time. We'd come in the back, had the service, and as soon as it was done, we headed out. Didn't have to talk to nobody, see nobody, or anything secret. Nobody knew us, and we didn't have to know anybody else. But after we came to know the Lord and really and truly received this second invitation, meaning what Christ has done and doing for us, we received this, and it changed everything about us. We desired to, to be with our brothers and sisters. And I hope that's your desire as well. But now we have the, the invitation offered, the invitation opposed, and now we see the invitation opened. And who is that to? It's been open to us. It's been open to us. It's like a pearl of great price. You, you get this pearl and, and you're so excited. But, but look at what he's, uh, who's his opening to. Look at The slave came back and reported to his master. Then he, the head of the household, which is God, became angry and said to his slave, which is us, right? Go out at once into the streets, into the lanes of the city, and uh, bring uh, in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Now the Pharisees, they was not going to do that. that. That was not on their plate. That was an insult to them. They knew what was going on as God was exposing them, right? And we, we, we see this right here in Scripture itself. But what have you done with the invitation? We have several invitations in the, in written in the Word of God. We're invited to come alongside one another in our, in our walk. But listen, watch the slave right here. Number one, the slave went out and invited the people that rejected it. Then the slave comes back, right, and tells the master, Master, I, I've done what you've told me to do. He becomes angry, right? And he says, go out at once and go to the middle class. Go to the nursing homes, right? And now these classifications are not our classifications. These classifications are the upper class people looking down on everybody else. So don't get that mixed up. I'm not saying there's three classes of people. There's not. There's only one. God has one people, right? It doesn't matter what age, how bad. Look at this. He goes to the middle class. He goes to the nursing home, which they can't pay back. All the invitation now is going to the people he knows that cannot pay them nothing back. And that is what Jesus, uh, what he had read already this morning, Jerry, they come to me freely. It has been paid. Come to me. I paid for it all. Isn't that wonderful? Now, that's grace, man. That's grace that it has an effect on our life. Do you know what I've done? Look at the people in this picture right here. Do you know what they've done? No, you don't. God knows what you've done. I don't. God knows what I've done. And I praise the Lord for grace. But we don't become abusers of it. But the action of it, grace works. It really does work. The slave, what is his desire? Number one is to be obedient unto the Lord. That's our number one desire, is it not? We want to be obedient unto the Lord. And the Lord wants his house to be filled so forth. The, uh, the, the slave wants his house to be filled, right? 
meaning the slave does not live for himself anymore. He, he lives for Christ and Christ alone to be able to extend this grace, right? Not religion and not just mere words, but the grace of God upon his life. Man, I got to tell you about this. Should be exciting to us. And sometimes if that don't fire you up, man, your wood's wet and you need to thaw it out. It needs to be out in the sun. It needs to soak up the sun that it may burn again for him. Don't forget the invitation that we've had that we did not deserve. It cannot pay him back. No way, no how. Why? Because he's God. He's God. We can't pay God back, but we owe him everything. The have to to the want to. And he goes out into the lanes of the city. It's still in the city. Catch it. It's still in the city. These people that he is uh, talking to, we fit in there. We fit in each category given at one time or another. We fit in this. Go out into the streets. In the lanes of, in the city, of the city. And bring the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. Who is that? That's all of us. Did you not get beat up this past week? Not physically, but... Spiritually, you may have. But sometimes we forget, being grace receivers, that we really need to be grace extenders. That's what's happening to that slave. He wants to be obedient to the master, and the master is Christ himself. And he's going to invite people to receive this grace. Aren't you glad somebody went before you and invited you to receive this grace? Come, come, did you know what I've done? This is what they're going to be saying here in just a minute. So we, he says it goes on to the streets and the lanes. There's people that, that are poor. They don't have any way to pay back. There's people that are crippled. They, uh, people that are blind, that are lame. It's all, it's all of these people right here from one end to the other, right? And, and we see that the mercy of God says this is banquet is for everyone. From young and old, from rich and poor. It's for everyone. It's for the middle class. If you want to, as they classify it, the middle class, which they would not extend that kind of grace to them. Why? They were too good for that. It was all, you, I invite you, you invite me. We'll work it out. We're on the upper end. We're not even going to step down to the middle class. But it goes further. We wait. There's more. The open invitation that we see here, it gets, it gets worse. I mean, more. Uh, the slave says, Master, what you have commanded has been done, but yet there's still room. You see that? That's you receiving grace, wanting God's grace to be extended to other people. We have room in the church. We've got empty pews here. But we don't want to fill this church up with religious folks. We want God to do that work. My, he wants his house to be filled. Don't you want his house to be filled? You can't do it from sitting on the pew. It requires us to do something. And we do it with pleasure. Now, there's a flesh to die along the way, but we do it with pleasure. Why? It's because, could you imagine these people here that would never, ever get invited? The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, the, the ones that's out, in the, just outside the church doors, would never be invited. And then you come up to him, hey, let me invite you to receive the grace of God. And they would say, no, I'm not worthy. Uh, God can't save me up. I, I've done too much wrong for God to forgive me because they, they have a thought that you have to be good in order to receive grace. Grace is what makes you good. Amen? And we see this, and these people are having a battle with that. Or even those that just need to, to be reassured where they're at when they're walking with the Lord. And so the master said, go on to the highway along the hedges and compel them to come in. Here's the a, here's a next step that we have in this open invitation to, the, to those outside the city. In our day, that would be the camps, the homeless camps. In our day, it would be the people that's living out in the woods. In our day, it would be the people down at the, uh, uh, the shelters and stuff like that. 
and, and outside the city, outside our realm of comfort, it would be those folks that need the Word of God, that need grace, that need to be this extension of grace upon their life. And it's going to take a little bit more work here. That word compel actually has the meaning that you grab a hold of them and bring them in, but the actual meaning to that in this uh, text itself is that you're going to have to work with them to give them understanding. Because these are the people who are the murderers that are in and out of jail, right? These are the people that we don't normally hang out with, right? These are the people that we probably don't go on the streets to go look at. Have you forgotten where you come from? Have you forgotten that it was by grace God brought you into his kingdom with that gracious invitation unto you? You brought nothing but stench. That should have been amen right there because it makes much of his grace. That's all we could bring to him. These people, as the people in the story, and the people behind the story here that he's addressing, these people would not dare to even speak to them, not dare to even look at them, not dare to even bother. But these people here need some help. They need to be compelled. They need to be understood. Listen, no matter what you have done, no matter if you're in the prison, the streets, or whatever you're at, no matter what you have done, right now you still have breath and it's forgivable. Do you believe that? Do you believe that someone that could do a horrible wrong, like murder or whatever it is, can be, can be saved? Because I want you to think about, if you ever, Jesus says, a step, a step further, Jesus said, if you ever hated anybody in your heart, you committed murder already. If you ever lusted after anybody, you committed adultery. Jesus didn't lower the bar. He raised it so much higher in this gracious invitation. And I, and I hope that we compel them to come in, where, whether it be that uh, there's different ways to, to do it. There's many people in this story. We've got three, three people. We've got the people to believe themselves to be right with God but lost. And we've got the other people that, to come up with excuse and they're lost. And we have the people that the slave is not going to leave alone. He's going to go to them. Right, And they are poor in spirit, they are crippled, they're lame, and they're dead in sin. But they have been brought to by the grace of God, and now they are limping their way through. All right, that, That's our kind of people. Really, it is. It's our kind of people. It's difficult. You know why it's difficult? Because you're trying to teach them something, and they're spitting at you. You're trying to teach them something, and they're yelling at you. You're trying to teach them what God's grace is, and you get fed up because you got your feelings hurt. You're going to take your toys home and go home. No. No. We work with them. We do not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. It's by grace that God has saved us, and we have to convince them no matter what you've done. You may be an addict right now. God's bigger than that. You may be the chief and the greatest sinner, God is the chief and greatest Savior. Don't forget that we don't deserve His grace. We don't deserve His invitation. And sometimes we'll get there and forget that we're supposed to be grace extenders. Extending this grace to others that may, may be, that His house may be filled. You know, the, the piece that you can find on this is that what you do, you do for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what you look like to the outside world, but it matters how you represent the master of the house. And that's grace. And that grace works if it's done work in us. Last verse we have here goes, Jesus has been uh, talking in the third person, but now he's talking to uh, the singular person in this, in verse 24. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Well, they repeated a prayer several times. The preacher told them they were saved. 
I'm saved. I just live like the devil. I don't care about people. I don't care about the things the Bible says I should be caring about. But then you're probably lost or very immature. Give, give that. But the first invitation, again, came to the Jews. It comes to us. We have the Old Testament. We have Moses and the prophets. We, the second is the coming of Christ. Are you ready? Are you ready to, to receive this invitation today? We have the grace pretenders, the grace rejectors, the grace receivers, the grace extenders. Don't forget that last part. Because when you get all mad up this coming week, because somebody outrun you or outspoke you, whatever it may be, think about this, the grace has been given to you. Think about it. Let us not be grace abusers, but grace extenders. Let us not have something better to see, something better to do, something better, someone better to enjoy. May that not be us today. Do you enjoy Christ? Are you satisfied in the level of your enjoyment with Him? With the invitations there for to confess before God that you have room for improvement. Do you want that? What will you do with the invitation today? You, the invitation is, is extended to you this very moment. And if you're worried about what somebody might say, you think you're too much of another person. But the invitation comes to you. It comes to you. This invitation is to come unto the Lord. We have several. I just want to read about the uh, five. It said, the invitations for man today, the invitation to salvation, number one. The invitation to serve. The invitation to live a life of surrendering. Right? I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's us. That's not a question mark if you want to. That's you and I to be that living sacrifice surrendered unto him. And again, that sacrifice to, to the master of the house. So this I tell you that we go on and, and I'll finish this up with the last two verses over in 26 and 27. And you can read this later, but listen to this because Christ is making his point, right? And, and, uh, and we're growing in this. Now listen, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross will come, uh, and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, if that really means hate right there, there's great contradiction in the word. And it doesn't mean hate. But in comparison, our love to Christ, it should look like hate. Because if you put a scale here, right, and what you love over here is like this, then you love other things or someone more than Christ, and it's broke. But when you compare that, when we have received this gracious invitation of God himself, adopted us into his family, when nothing that we could pay him back with, it looks like this. And the very first level is that we love one another. For the love of God is truly shed abroad in our hearts. But I tell you this, that if you think that you can achieve it by your own ability, well, you're in the first part of Luke chapter 14. You have another problem here. If you have received, say that you're a grace receiver, and then you live a life like the devil, you're probably still lost or very immature. The other one is the balance of this. It's this gracious invitation. God has brought me into his family, and I owe him everything. He forgave me everything, every sin that I ever done. 
And I'm going to tell you, I was that guy out there in the camp. No one came. No one came. I was that guy in the jail. No one came. And I may be that guy in the nursing home one day. I pray that you come and encourage the saints because of the work that he's done in you. Be strengthened. Be encouraged. And fight the good fight of faith. Let us pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, again, I pray that you were pleased with this. I pray, Lord, you don't let them hear anything except for what you had to say. That you would raise everything, Lord, except what you have to say. And Lord, as we go into this week of thanksgiving, may our lives show it in a way of thanks living. We are thankful, Lord, so thankful that you invited us into your family. That we have received Christ and he accepted us into your family. But also, Lord, as we go through this life of thanksgiving, that we extend grace. That your house may be filled Let us not think too much of ourselves, too highly of ourselves to extend grace. But may we go where we get uncomfortable. May we speak to ones that we would normally not talk to. May we not think highly of ourselves that we would not stoop down to talk to someone like that. Let us, Lord, be changed by your word. And Lord, we must be sent in the slave with great pleasure went out to convince them to come in that they may be washed by the blood of Christ may everyone in this room Lord be their hearts just pumping with excitement being able to extend grace outside of our comfort area extend grace Lord and not use the doctrines of grace to sin, but use them to give us great boldness and strength to be able to stand. You, Lord, are the one that does the invitation. We just make it known. So help us, Lord, as we look at these things and apply these things to our lives. We fail somewhere in these categories, but help us to be the slave Lord, help us to hear the invitation now to die to yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. Help us to be able to acknowledge, Lord, our love for you is too low. It needs help. Help me to love you more. Lord, may that be the drive of our life for your glory alone. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.